going to be reading eight verses of Scripture found in the book of Acts. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. I like uh, some passages of Scripture need to be easy, clear reading uh, for folks to clearly understand. And the New Living Translation is endorsed or was endorsed by Dr. Billy Graham. And I figure that if it's good enough for Billy Graham, it's good enough for me. Say amen, somebody. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. In other words, Peter and John was on their way to church for the prayer meeting. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up. Look at the person next to you and say, get up. Say it again like you mean it, get up. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. Did you get that? Instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to church with them. Hmm. Are you with me? The Lord's given me a, a series of messages to preach. I know there'll be at least three when I started this. Somebody praise the Lord right now. I didn't try to put them all in one. All right, I'll preach them all three today if you want me to. You better praise the Lord right now. I'm just telling you. Today we're going to talk about the first one. The message series is titled, We, everybody say we, We Need to Move. We Need to Move. Today we're going to talk about moving on. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your word today. I thank you for every precious person in this building. I pray for the next few moments, Lord, that you would decrease me until I'm nothing, that your Holy Spirit would be increased through me, that, Lord, I would not deliver any words of my own, but that they would be your words and that they would be delivered today in the power and the demonstration of your Holy Spirit. I pray today that you would anoint every ear of every person, whether seated here or watching online, to hear this word. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint every heart to receive this word today, that ultimately we could leave here today, Lord, as a body of people, many of which who will choose from this day forward to move on in their spiritual walk with you. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice like there was at 845 who is not ready to meet you, I pray before they leave this building today. They will give their heart and life to you and make the best decision they'll ever make in their life. And that is to choose you as their Lord and Savior. I give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated. <clears throat> now, everybody knows I'm a music lover. That's why 
I sung a song this morning before I preached that kind of goes along with the sermon series. Next week I'm going to ask them to sing a specific song. But uh, I grew up loving music. I've always loved music. Anybody else out there? We got one of the best Southern Gospel music promoters in the business is here with us this morning. Pauline Patterson has promoted about every Southern Gospel group that you know of. Um, but I love music. And for all of you music lovers this morning, now I'll be 48 in April. Can I get a witness? I'm not getting old. Say amen, somebody. But for all of you music lovers this morning, is it okay for just a minute if we take a little trip down memory lane? As I was preparing this first sermon in this series this week, I was reminded of a little song, for some reason, from when my kids were much younger from the movie Madagascar. How many remembers that? 2008. So that was some 16 years ago this year. It was a catchy little tune that pretty much went viral instantly right after that movie. And the little song said, and don't nobody judge me, I like to move it, move it. How many remembers that? Right? That's what the little song said. And everywhere you went, you saw it, you heard it. And people, I like to move it, move it. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. The truth of the matter is, if we're being honest, we don't really like to move it. Right? We, by nature, people prefer to just stay the same. By nature, we avoid and we resist and we fight against change. And we run away from resistance so that we can stick to a routine. And in the process of doing that, particularly in our walk with Christ, we plateau. We live life from the misperceived safety of the rut that we're in. Somebody help me preach this morning. And in doing so, we fail to adapt. We fail to grow. We fail to expand. And then because of that, we fail to fulfill our God-given potential and purpose. And so... The hopes and dreams and the goals that we had maybe 10 years ago are still unmet for some of you this morning. Still sitting here, some of those things that you were wanting and wishing and hoping for 10 years ago are still unrealized. And you're still sitting here today no closer to fulfillment of those things than you were maybe 10 years ago. So hold on to that. Now let's kick it back even a little bit farther. Anybody else hit their teenage years before 1990? Some of y'all lying. Some of y'all was teenagers way before 19. Anybody hit their teenage years before 1990? I became a teenager in 1989. I barely made it in. But there was another song, for some reason, I remembered this this week, from the late 1980s. It burst on the scene in 1989, in the year that I turned 13, and it quickly began climbing the charts. Yes, it was a secular song. The upbeat drums and the catchy chorus caught everybody's attention, and it became an instantaneous hit. And this song was written, some of y'all are wondering what it was, you'll get it in a minute. It was written as a message to guys who were looking for a lady. Can I tell you this morning, all the single guys, I hope and pray to God, are looking for a lady. Some of y'all halfway got what I just said. I hope and pray you're looking for a lady. That's not what this message is about, but I may stop there and preach a while if I need to. Amen, somebody. 
It was a message to guys who were looking for a lady to bust a move. How many remembers that one? What does that song mean? It means stop just standing there. That's what he actually said in the song. Stop stalling. Stop delaying. Stop hesitating. Stop just standing there. Bust a move. And listen to me this morning. I know that's funny, but although it was not his intent when he recorded that song, but yet the concept of getting off of neutral, idle, safe, middle ground is a good word of encouragement to begin a new year. Somebody say amen. It's a good, as the body of Christ, as a body of local believers, it is indeed time for the church to bust a move. Hmm. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, the day is far spent. The night is at hand. Night is coming when no man can work. We got to work while it's day. We should be busy about our Father's business. This is not a social club. This is not an extracurricular activity. This is a kingdom that we are building, and we should be busy about building God's kingdom in our Father's business. It's time for the church to move. The church needs to move. The church has been idle long enough. I'm not saying this church. I'm saying the church. The church needs to get off the fence. Uh-huh. About 30% of y'all will help me preach today. The church needs to get in gear. The church needs to make choices that produce change. Did you know the church is supposed to be an agent of change in this world? We should be making choices that produce change and decisions that impact eternity. So getting on to my message, movement. By Merriam-Webster, movement is defined as a series of organized activities working toward an objective. And in this series, we're going to talk about at least three different moves, and the first one being today. And I believe for some of you seated here today and listening online, that an absolutely essential action for you to take in 2024 is to move on. You'll see what I'm talking about here in just a minute. Now let's go back to our text this morning. As we read this passage about Peter and John being on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer, being on their way to church at the time for prayer meeting, I know the tendency is as spirit-filled, power-possessing Pentecostals that we like to think we are. The inclination is to read this passage of Scripture, and our tendency is to see ourselves as Peter and John, right? We're the ones giving somebody else what we've got. Mm -hmm. However, I would submit to you this morning, and I have preached this passage of Scripture before many times, and never have I ever seen it in this light. But I want to tell you this morning, I believe the truth is that most of the church really look like and act like the lame man more than they do Peter and John. Always needing somebody to carry them somewhere every day. Now, in fact, I recognize and I realize that there are those who, who seem to uh, be born with a silver spoon in their mouth. You know, they sleep on a bed of roses. They've got the world by the tail. And they're just always on cloud nine. You know, those people that SOS comes on you sometimes, that's the spirit of slap, according to Sister Sue Woodruff. 
that those people that you ask them how they're doing and they're, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And you just want to, and we are blessed and highly favored. But those people that seem like nothing's ever going wrong. And then there's others that are walking through life obviously injured. Obviously struggling. Obviously in a bad situation. It's apparent and it's undeniable. But I need to assure you and admit to you this morning that although we are all, not all, lame everywhere, we are all lame somewhere. I say that because if I don't, some of you are going to assume that your lameness, that's probably not a word, I'll use paralysis in a minute, but your lameness is so severe and so debilitating that you are disqualified or you are dismissed from making a move in your life. And if we're not careful, we will begin to award ourselves excuses, a get out of having to move card, somebody with me this morning, because we will determine that our lameness, our paralysis is more severe more painful than those around us who seem to be walking throughout life without any problems. But more than likely, they're not walking through life without problems. They've just learned how to hide their limp. Because we are all like the lame man in the story. So let's get that straight from the beginning this morning. If we don't, then when I make the next statement, those of you who have already awarded yourself an excuse, because I'm finding that's a thing in the church today. Awarding ourselves an excuse, you know, nobody's dealt with what I'm dealing with. I'm in more pain than you can even imagine. I've been victimized more than any breathing soul. I've met some people that have been a victim so many times they could audition for a Hollywood movie and have it down pat. We're living in a time where everybody wants to be the victim. And so we tell ourselves these things so that I don't have to make a move or be expected to make a move. But let me make one statement to you this morning. I said we're all lame somewhere. And you have been lame long enough. First Sunday in 2024, I came to tell you, you have been lame in that area of your life long enough. See, this passage is interesting to me because there's a detail in here that could have as easily been omitted because there are multiple other accounts of paralysis being dealt with all throughout the New Testament and the detail of the origin of that paralysis is left out of all of those stories. I went through and read them. But now we're told this morning in this account that this young man has been lame from birth. The length of his paralysis is a detail worth considering this morning and comparing to our story. How many of us in this room, if, do I have any folks in this church today that will be real people can we be real people in the church today? This isn't the first church of the self-righteous. We can be real up in here. 
you're in your safe space. There is no perfect church. There will never be no perfect church. There will never be a church full of perfect people. As long as the church has people, the church will be imperfect. But thank God for sending the people. So how many of us in this room this morning will admit that we have been lame in an area almost as long as we can remember? I'm going to pray scare you this morning. Your pastor thought about this on Friday as I typed it. And I thought about something myself. Lame in an area about as long as you can remember. You know what we do? We grow comfortable with our paralysis. We become familiar with our lack of mobility. And we have determined that we can't move because we have been confined by the history and the pain of our own paralysis. It's always been, and the devil tells us it always will be. And our unwillingness, or sometimes our reluctance, to believe in, I love what they sang this morning, they had no idea what I was preaching, or participate in making a move is based on the fact that for as long as we can remember, we've been lame in that area. We've been bound in that area. So we can't and we won't move. What do you mean, Pastor? Somebody said, well, I've been broke as long as I can remember. So I can't move to financial freedom or participate in the process that would produce that freedom because history overrules my faith. That's exactly what you're saying. I've been broke as long as I can remember. I've, I've, here's something that I see a lot in the church today. I'm just going to be real with you this morning. Folks that can't seem to ever be in a healthy relationship. Healthy relationships are an impossibility because as long as they can remember... Every relationship they've ever been in is full of dysfunction. And so they gravitate back toward people that control them. Mm, I might preach there for a moment. They gravitate toward people who manipulate them. They gravitate toward people who belittle them. Who treat them like they're beneath them. That is a dysfunctional relationship and it is not of God. We're challenged. This will get all of us in the room, I'm sure, if we're being honest. We're challenged to move toward health. Our own health. But we can't leverage faith because of remembered lameness. Some of y'all said, I'm not going to start that diet this January. I've dieted the last 10 Januaries, and I've never got there yet. So I'm just going to be my fat, happy self. Right? We're challenged to move towards health. But we can't leverage our faith because we remember all of our failures. Somebody help me preach this morning. We hear about... Being delivered, being free, being drug-free, alcohol-free, snack food-free. Oh, yeah. See, we don't talk about that one in the church. We preach them drinkers into, uh uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. We preach those drug addicts, you know, unless they get delivered, right? Am I telling the truth? That one goes along with it. But we can't believe and we won't make a move because we've been addicted and under bondage. This is not in my notes, but right now I just felt the Lord drop in my spirit. I didn't say it at 845, so it's to somebody in this room today. And I've dealt with it before as a pastor. So I know that it's the Lord dropping it in my spirit right now. Some of you men that have been addicted to pornography as long as you can remember. Some of you teenage boys that are starting to dabble in it right now. If you can't have one of these without getting on it, get rid of one of these. It's dysfunctional. We recorded in a recording studio when we were traveling singing with a man we had prayer with every time before we recorded. Who I thought, and if I was to call his name, you would know him and you know his children. Who I thought was highly anointed, and I believe that the Lord wanted to anoint him and use him. But he had a secret addiction he never got away from. And then the church found his church computer, ate up with it. Let me tell you something this morning. I don't even have a clue while I'm on this right now except for the fact somebody needs to hear me say this. It's not okay because you're an adult. It's not okay because you're married. It's not okay because somebody else told you it was okay. It will take you farther than you'll ever want to go. And we hear about being set free. But we've been addicted and under bondage for so long that our own paralysis overwhelms and overpowers our faith. You hear me this morning. Kayla had no clue what I was going to preach on today. The question is not how long have you been lame? Two years, five years, ten years, twenty years since birth. The question is not how long have you been lame. The real question that must be posed this morning to every single one of us is how long... Are you going to allow what happened to you cause you to be lame? How long are you going to let what happened to you cause you to be lame? See, Peter and John have an encounter with a lame man, lame since birth. I'm going to try to move quickly. Jesus had an encounter with the man at the pool of Bethesda who had been lame 38 years. Paul had the same experience in Acts chapter 14 with a man who the Bible said was lame from birth. And in all three of these cases, Peter and John, Jesus, nor Paul discount or deny the men's long-standing paralysis. Hear me this morning. However, in all of these cases, what they do dismiss is their history being the determining factor for their destiny. Just because you've been bound with it forever does not mean you have to walk around with it indefinitely. The God that we serve is a God who delivers, who sets free. And I'm not discounting the fact of maybe what you've been dealing with for decades. I'm not dismissing the fact that you become familiar with what you're facing. And I'm not just talking about sin. There's other things that paralyze us. I'm simply asking you, haven't you been lame long enough? When are you going to decide that it's time to move on? I want to encourage you this morning. You don't, I don't care what the devil's told you. 
you don't have to stay lame. I don't care what the devil's told you. You don't have to stay lame. I believe it's my assignment at the beginning of this year to assure some of you that Jesus has a track record of helping lame folks make a move. What he did when he walked this earth is still his mission today. Still his mission for the church today. What did he do, Pastor? We need to remember some of what he did because we need, sometimes we act like he did something then that he won't do now. But this book tells me he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to quickly move through these. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every, say every. What's that exclude? He healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people began bringing to him. Remember Nicholas's vision? People began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see. The lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Matthew chapter 15, verse 30 and 31. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. And they laid them before Jesus, and he healed them. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking. And the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed, Nicholas's vision, with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. John chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1, afterward Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and he knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, the man said. I can't, sir. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard this in my ministry, I'd be a wealthy man. I can't, sir, the man said, for I have nobody to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus did not say, I'm going to send somebody to pick you up. Uh -huh. Hey, are you hearing me this morning? Jesus didn't say, I'm going to send you a mode of transportation. I'm going to get somebody else to do for you what you need to do for yourself. Jesus said, stand up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. What did the Bible say next? Instantly. The man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. So Jesus' practice, his track record, his pattern 
is to deal with lameness. So the truth is, in order to deal with our own lameness, we need to move. We need to move. See, we're laying around in the church expecting God to move. But God's waiting on us to move. Mm. See, I've come to the conclusion that some people would rather lay in their current condition than to move on. You'd rather wallow in your own self-pity. You'd rather be patronized over your current situation. See, that's exactly, I told you, I've never saw this passage that way before, but that's exactly what this lame man was doing. Hear me this morning. He wasn't trying to get better. Boy, it's quiet up in here today. He wasn't trying to be made whole. He was just looking for somebody else to patronize him with something temporary. Hello? That would not change anything about his situation. That's where we're at in the world today. He was seeking attention. Y'all know any attention seekers? That's why I said a minute ago we probably all need to get off social media. See, here's what I believe. I believe he got to the place. I truly believe that he got to the place where he enjoyed using his paralysis for personal gain rather than getting healed of his paralysis so that he could live the life that God intended him to live. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's, that's cruel. Next time you're at a stoplight and somebody's got a sign begging for money, tell them you'll come back in your pickup and pick them up and take them to do some work. They ain't trying to get better. Maybe I need to say that again up in here. They ain't trying to get better. They're trying to earn as good a living as you're earning with a panhandle, hello, at the stop sign. They don't want to work. They don't want to get better. They want somebody to give them something that won't change their situation but is a temporary fix. God did not call the church to give temporary fixes. God called the church to be an agent of change. It wasn't God's will for that man to lay in that paralytic state day after day. It was God's will for him to be healed. But you hear me, before that could happen, before that could happen, it took somebody being bold enough to say to him, and I told the 845 crowd this morning, if I was going to do anything in 2024, I was going to preach the word of the Lord with boldness. It took somebody being bold enough to look at him and say, what you need is not money. What you need is not somebody who enables you to continue in that state by continuing to give you what you want. See, every day he was laying there and all he wanted was the money. They're coming to church. I'll catch them on their way to church. They'll give me money. I'll get what I want. What you need is not somebody who enables you to continue in that state by continuing to give you what you want. No. What you need 
is for somebody with some boldness to say, no, get up, get up, get up. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Uh, Y'all ain't going to help me preach today. I know some of y'all say, but preacher, you don't know why I struggle with alcohol. My daddy was an alcoholic. Guess what? My daddy was an alcoholic too. Not only is that a reason, not only is the reason that I, I mean, the fact that I don't touch alcohol because as a church of God believer and a church of God member, now I've told you before, I told 845, I have to tell you too. I've never told you that taking a drink of alcohol is going to send you to hell because I can't find that in the scripture. I've told you that. But I'm going to take it a step further this year. Y'all hear that? A pin just dropped. Listen to me. It may not send you to hell, but it'll mar your testimony. It will discount your witness. And if you're not careful, it'll take you farther than you ever thought it would and cause you to go farther than you ever wanted to go. You're looking at somebody who was raised by a daddy that was one of the best men you'd ever want to meet in your life when he was sober. But when he was drunk, he was the most abusive husband and one of the meanest men I've ever met in my life. I said it will take you farther than you ever want to go. Now, here's what I am going to tell you this year. I'm not going to tell you it will send you to hell, but you're seated in a Church of God congregation this morning. We are Church of God Cleveland Assembly, and I'm not ashamed of it. Maybe I'm the only one. Hallelujah. But as part of being a member of this congregation, if you took an oath of membership, you took an oath that you would abstain from alcohol as a beverage. Oh, I know this ain't popular up in the church today. It's already 1230 and he's on alcohol. Lord, help us, Jesus. But you took an oath that you would abstain from alcohol as a beverage. I am going to tell you this. If you cannot abstain from alcohol as a beverage, it's one of two things. You either need deliverance, and it's available. Huh. I said it's available. Or, maybe you're not church of God. Whoa. They, don't, they wouldn't allow you to do that at a church growth seminar, would they? That's the facts, folks. Don't do something that brings a reproach against yourself and your church. Now back to what I was saying. You don't know, Pastor, you don't know why I struggle with it. My daddy was an alcoholic or my so-and-so was an alcoholic. I understand that. I took a drink and now I struggle with it every day. I understand that. But what you need is not somebody to tell you that that's okay. What you need is not somebody to say, that that's okay as long as you do it in moderation and you don't destroy your family. What you need is not somebody that patronizes your situation. What you need is somebody that says, the devil may be telling you that. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk in the will of God for your life. Pastor, you don't, you don't understand. I lost a loved one. I'm about done. I promise I am. I lost a loved one. Listen, I've lost loved ones too. You don't understand the grief that I'm going through. You don't understand. You don't, you don't know the struggle that I'm having. Listen, I do. I do understand. But can I tell you this morning, if that loved one was saved, where they are now is a party all the time. 
Do you know, I probably miss their mother just about more than anybody. As, almost as much as my own mother. Lisa and, I mean, Kendra and Kayla's mom, Lisa. I miss her more than anybody, but when I stop to think about her, I can see her leaning back in heaven, giggling, and saying, huh, I got an early out, and you're still dealing with that. Listen, I understand, but if, they're, if they were ready to go, it's a party all the time where they are. There ain't none of this stuff that we're dealing with down here, and it's not God's will, hear me, for you if you're a child of God to close yourself off in a dark room somewhere Isolate yourself from other people. Get depressed and be full of anxiety. No, get up. Get up and walk. In the name of Jesus. One more, Pastor, you don't understand. That divorce was the hardest thing I've ever went through in my life. You don't understand what he did to me. You don't understand what she did to me. No, I don't, and thank God I don't. Thank God I've had a good, healthy marriage. All of these years. Now, has it been perfect? I don't want to paint you a picture like that. Are we always just, honey, honey, sweetie, sweetie? No. 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 Not at all. I don't know what you may be going through. But just because the enemy has told you that it was, this was your fault. That was your fault. You can't overcome this. Maybe you caused that or just the opposite. You'll never overcome what they did to you. You'll never be able to love again. You'll never be able to live again. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Stop looking for somebody to patronize you in that situation and tell you, oh, I understand. No, what you need is somebody that will look at you with boldness and say, no, get up, get up, get up in the name of Jesus and walk. If they come to the music this morning, in order to move on, we've got to get past our memory many times. We have to allow Jesus to overrule and overpower our past. A move can be made if you can just get past your memory. Everybody else may remember and recognize you as lame, but to move on, you've got to get to the place where you see yourself the way Jesus sees you. You know how Jesus sees you? Whole, well, healed, but you got to move on. See, I believe, listen to me when I say this. It's an important statement. I believe that we have allowed our past to immobilize us from moving forward in our present. And because of that, it's costing us our future. I said, I believe some of us have allowed our past to immobilize us in the present. And because of that, it's costing us our future. But listen, Jesus can help you move past your memory. If you can just get to Jesus, you will remember whatever that is for you. You will remember that it hurt. You'll remember that it was a bad time. 
But if you can get to Jesus, you won't remember exactly what it felt like. You know why? That's called being whole. I said that's called being whole. Forgetting those things which are behind is the only way to see the future. We need to move. One of the accounts that I didn't mention in closing this morning, Matthew chapter 21 and verse 4, because it unlocks the key, the key item to making a move. I want you to listen carefully. It's very simple. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The blind and the lame came. You get that? The lame came. Notice, they didn't wait for Jesus to come to them. They went to him. It said they were lame. They were paralyzed. They were crippled, but they still made a move. The man by the pool of Bethesda, Jesus didn't pick him up and put him in. He said, get up. They might have been limited on, in their ability to journey, but they still got to Jesus. Listen, for some of you to regain your mobility in 2024, what you have to do is get to Jesus. You need to get to Jesus. I can't get you to him. I can plead for you to come, but I can't get you to him. And I wonder how many of us continue to be lame simply because we go to everybody but him. We've talked to, taken, and relived our paralysis to everybody else, and we go to others, but we never move on. It's time we get to Jesus. Movement will be found when you get to the Master. You say, Pastor, I need to go talk to my counselor. Listen, there's nothing wrong with medical clinical counseling. Nothing wrong with it if you need it. But I just got to ask you, have you tried going to the wonderful counselor? <laughs> Pastor, I've got to get to my doctor. Some of y'all run to the doctor too much. Some of y'all have convinced the doctors there's more wrong with you than the doctor even knows is wrong with you. Hello? I mean, Gypsy Rose. I mean, it's a, I know it's a controversial situation, but it's a real life thing. Some of y'all trying to convince the doctors of everything that's wrong with you. Shelby made a comment to us while he was home on break. He said, I ain't going to the doctor. I said, why aren't you going to the doctor? He was just making a general statement. He wasn't sick. He said, he was talking about going to the doctor to just, you know, be checked out and all that. And I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm not discouraging you from going and doing your stuff when you get 50. There's stuff I got to do at 52. Praise God. He said, I ain't going to the doctor. I said, why ain't you going to the doctor? He said, I've never known anybody that got sick and died unless they first went to the doctor. And the doctor told them they're sick, sick and they're going to die. Is that not the truth? Why am I mentioning that? I got to get to my doctor. See, what we do is we get to the doctor. We hear the doctor's report. And we forget that we're serving the great physician. The doctor might have said that. But the doctor does not have the final say. God has the final say.
I need to take my pills. Got to have my pills. We're in a time and in a day, and it's a real thing. I mean, I talk to people, good Christian people. I mean, there's pills for everything. I ain't kidding. And if you need them, that's that's what they're for. But how often do we go get somebody? I'm talking about even things, not even physical things sometimes. How often do we go get somebody to give us a pill to help us find some peace? But all along we neglected to go to the Prince of Peace and say, Hey, I need you. See, what you need in 2024 is not somebody who's going to patronize you and tell you everything you want to hear. I don't know. If I keep preaching like this, maybe we won't be busting the walls out. I don't know. I just know somebody got saved this morning at 845. You need to get to Jesus. It's that simple. If you'll stand with me all over the room today. I know what might have happened to you, and this message is different for every person in this building or those watching online. It hits differently for everybody, but it's it's the same for all of us. What happened to you might have knocked you off your feet. You might feel like you were gut punched. It stole your wind. You might feel like your heart was shattered. You may have tried before. But I came to tell you this morning, you don't have to stay lame. You don't have to stay lame. You got to move. You need to move. You need to, like they say, believe for it one more time. Get to Him this morning and let Him do what He does. He makes it possible for lame folks to leap, dance, jump, and walk. Now listen. I told the 845 crowd, I'm going to tell you two things I'm going to do in 2024. One, I'm going to preach the Word of God boldly. And the second one is, I'm going to remove myself from religious folks. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean the people that think they got it all figured out. The people that they think they know how everybody else ought to do. Well, let me go over here. The people that think they know how everybody else ought to be, ought to dress, ought to do. The people that think they got it all figured out, how everything, what everything's supposed to look like. There's about a hundred different methods of ways that you can have church. I don't care what method you use as long as the message is the same. And I threw this at 845, so I have to throw it out now. I don't know why I threw it out at 845. It wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to throw it out at 11 too, just because I'm fair like that. For those of you that think you have to police other people and tell them what they should do and what they shouldn't do, won't you try loving them, praying for them, and minding your own business? Because last time I checked, and I just go ahead and pull a Barney Fife and nip it in the bud. 
I keep hearing some stuff every once in a while about tattoos. Matter of fact, somebody texted me yesterday about a dream about a tattoo. Wanted to know if I had any insight on it. I don't have a tattoo. I don't want a tattoo. I personally don't feel like a tattoo would look good on me. Some of y'all got some when you was young and firm, and it don't look so good on you now either. That's neither here nor there. But I ain't got anything against tattoos. Matter of fact, one time in this church, if you don't know, you probably should know, I had an evangelist call Derek out, use him as an example, and said, he's still got the markings of the world all over him. In front of the whole congregation, I had to pull him in my office after church, and I said, that guy got every tattoo he's got after he started serving Jesus. Every one of them has got a scriptural meaning. Why on earth are you talking about tattoos? Here's why. For those of y'all that have a problem with them, the only thing I can find in this book that talks about them is the same passage of Scripture that talks about ear piercings, body piercings. So if you've got a problem with tattoos, take those ear bobs out. Or if you're a man and you've got a problem with tattoos, tell your wife to take hers out. See how that works for you. Why did I say all that? I'm just saying this. Religious folk church don't need no religious folk the church don't need no Holy Ghost police the last I checked God will bless whom he'll bless God will curse whom he'll curse and whom God blesses no man can curse and who God curses no man can bless I'm closing with this why am I talking about religious folk this is why chapter 4 tells us the religious officials arrested the disciples Peter and John for what they had done the religious people arrested them for what they'd done if I had a dollar for every time I've been told we're doing it wrong matter of fact if anybody thinks we're doing it wrong bring a 20 with you when you come to tell me If I had a dollar for every time somebody said we're doing it wrong because of this or that or whatever, I'd probably be a wealthy man. But I just know I look back at 2023 and I thank God for 49 souls. 75, 77, 77 rededications. 48 people baptized in water. 21 people baptized in the Holy Ghost. And 116 members added to the local church. We don't need any religious folk trying to decide how it's done. We just need to give ourselves wholly and completely to God and let God do what God does best. So the religious folks arrested Peter and John can I just tell you this morning? Everybody is not going to delight in your dance. You need to hear this. Everybody's not going to be happy over your healing. Not everybody is going to even like the delivered version of you. 
Somebody said, man, God's turned my life upside down, but all my old friends don't want nothing to do with me. That's okay. God's given you 400 new ones right here. Not everybody's going to like the delivered version of you. Get delivered anyway. Not everybody's going to delight in your dance, but dance anyway. Not everybody's going to like when you advance and when you move forward and when God promotes you, but accept it anyway. That's God's will for your life. I've told you everything I can tell you this morning. I can't do anything else for you except tell you, get up and get to Jesus. Get up and get to Jesus. Very quickly, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I don't know 100% sure that I'm ready to meet Jesus if I go out into eternity today. I'm just not 100% positive that I would make heaven my home. If that's you, would you please just slip your hand up and put it back down? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else this morning? I'm just not sure I'd make heaven my home. Listen, I want to tell you, those of you, that, the couple that raised their hands, can I tell you there's absolutely no difference, none whatsoever, in you and the person sitting beside you that raised their hand. Both of you were born into sin. Both of you are walking this earth in a physical body that's prone to sin. The only difference between you and the person, the people that did not raise their hands is one decision. I said this at 8.45 and that young lady gave her heart to Jesus. I'm praying you'll do the same today. The only difference is one decision and that decision is to take that sin and carry it to the foot of the cross and give it to Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you and to be, come into your heart and forgive you of your sins and become the Lord of your life. That one decision, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. It's really that simple. That's the only difference between you and them. And I promise you there is a room full of people here with me this morning that will testify with me to you. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. So whatever you do, do not put him off today. This altar is open for you. In just a moment, there's going to be a ton of other folks that are going to come and pray because here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody else can look at me. Those of you that raised your hands, please come this morning. I'll make sure somebody prays with you. And you can leave here knowing you're ready to go. But the rest of you, bring your lame. Whatever that is for you. It's between you and God. It's not for everybody else to know about. Bring your lame this morning.